Welcome to Humanity Unlocked, where we know that listening to someone's story with an intent to gain insight is an important key in unlocking each person's humanity. Your host, Kimberly, is known for her profound curiosity in human behavior, giving her a long-standing reputation for being a deeply engaged and exceptional listener. Each one of us has a unique origin story that helps to explain the unfolding of the path we've traveled. When the story gets told, it provides a glimpse into the context and nuances that we, the listeners, may have otherwise never considered. Join Kimberly as she embarks on the journey of a lifetime to unlock and reveal the humanity of every person she meets. Here's Kimberly. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Humanity Unlocked. I am your host, Kimberly Diet, and with me in the studio today is a friend of mine who I am so excited to introduce to you. Her name is Heather Dubinetsky. She is a wife and a mother to three adult children, a, ph- a philanthropist, a fashion and lifestyle influencer, and perhaps the most notably, a woman of faith. I met Heather 10 years ago in a local fashion boutique of all places. I was shopping for something to wear to Sacramento Fashion Week after being largely homebound for two of the sickest years of my life with Lyme disease. I didn't have a clue what was in style at the time, which I'm sure was made obvious by the outdated jeans and flannel I was wearing. But there I was going through the racks, feeling incredibly self-conscious. And before I knew it, I was met with the kindest human being who walked over out of nowhere and offered to help. Heather didn't work there and had never met me, but there she was telling me how great I would look in this long rose colored tulle skirt that I was eyeing. She gave me all kinds of advice on ways to accessorize it, and when she overheard I was going to Fashion Week, she shared she'd be there as well, and that she looked forward to seeing me and the look we put together. She made my day that afternoon, and later I would come to find out that this is who she is. This is Heather. Fast forward 10 years, many, many lunch dates, local charity events, and social gatherings later, I consider her a very dear friend, one who I admire and respect for so many reasons. I have asked Heather to join us today because I believe she is the best person I know to talk about a topic that many people consider oddly taboo. We are talking about the topic of faith. If you are someone who does not consider themselves a person of faith in any regard, if this conjures up all kinds of negative stereotypes for you, I am asking you to please hang with us because in hearing Heather's story, you will see that she, as well as her journey, is anything but stereotypical. In September of 2020, Heather's oldest son, Austin, was in a tragic accident that left him in a coma for, I think, over two months. She will clarify, I might have this wrong. Um, His chances of surviving were slim. His chances of surviving without brain damage, even slimmer. In my life, I have never known someone who believed so strongly with every cell inside her body that God would work a miracle and Austin would not only live, but he would go on to make a full recovery. I watched Heather take to her social media daily, her faith solid and unwavering. Her strength was utterly palpable. I was simultaneously heartbroken and inspired as I watched this mother, my friend, sitting beside her son's hospital bed day after day, waiting on the miracle that she knew was coming. Oh my gosh, I'm going to (laughs) cry. She is here to share with us the path she's traveled that's led led her faith to being what it is today. She will tell the story of what happened the day of Austin's accident, as well as what she witnessed the days, weeks, and months that followed. No matter what your faith is, I encourage you to check judgment at the door and lean in with curiosity because that, after all, is what this podcast is all about. Okay, so without further ado, please help me welcoming, please help me in welcoming my special guest, my sweet friend, Heather Dubinetsky. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being with us today, Heather. 
Thank you so much I'm for having me. Sorry for the... No, I mean, Woo! you made me tear up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, Heather, don't cry in this podcast today. <laughs> I think you're the first person... You are the first personal friend I've... I mean, I, I've since made friends with the guests I've had on, but yeah. um, first personal friend that I have history with who I've recorded with. Um, okay, so we are going to start from the beginning um, to give our listeners a little bit of background on you. You grew up in Sacramento, and you are the oldest of how many kids? Tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Yeah, um, so I'm the oldest of seven kids. Uh, I was raised in a Christian home, um, and that took an interesting turn. Um, I have a little story about that. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, oldest of seven. So you didn't start it out like that. It was yeah. me and my brother, and then my parents um, didn't weren't going to have any more kids. And then eight years later, they decided that my mom really wanted to have more children. Mm. So okay. they decided to have more kids. I was about nine years old when they started. This, I call them the second set second of Second wave. Yeah, second so wave. what's the age of difference between you and your youngest sibling? Um, my youngest sibling, I believe she's 25, and I'm 48. So I oh. think I was like... 17 or 18 when she was born oh my yeah I was graduating high school yeah that's if not later yeah wow that's a lot that makes my that makes my (laughs) six years between my kids seem like very close together oh yeah okay and how would you describe yourself as a child um I was a happy-go-lucky kid I loved meeting new friends always like my mom always told me Whenever we'd go on vacation, I'd be at the beach and I would just walk up to strangers and be like, hi, do you want to be my friend? And just start <laughs> playing with them, you know? So I've always loved people and, and you know, meeting new friends, meeting new people. So you were always social is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Which we all, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we'll get into that. Um, and you've been a Christian your entire life. And when you think back to some of your earliest memories, how, do you remember where and how your faith originated? Yeah, actually, I remember when I asked um, Jesus to become my personal Lord and Savior was actually at a Billy Graham crusade at Cal Expo. How old were you? Um, I think I was around eight or nine years old. Okay. Yeah, but I totally remember it because he was passing out free Bibles, like to the, you know, it was like you get a free Bible and you ask Jesus into your heart. And, you know, growing up in a Christian home, I was always in church, you know, going to children's church. And um, But it wasn't until then that I asked him to come into my heart. Yeah. Okay. And... Um... I don't want to get too far off topic, and I tend to do this, so I always have to bring myself back in. So you and all of your siblings were um, raised sort of the same way. No. Not Not the second wave. Okay, we'll get it. We'll, yeah. We may or may not get into that. Yeah. Okay, all right. Um, you've talked openly about the experience your family had um, being involved with a religious cult. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about how this involvement occurred. Like, how old were you? What was the experience? Yeah, so um, it was probably a couple of years after, you know, I asked the Lord into my heart. Um, my parents... Uh, we're going to a small church, just non-denominational. Actually, I think the pastor was Lutheran-based, but he had met up with this pastor, and all of a sudden, like, our churches were going to join up together. And I just was like, oh, cool, you know, more new friends, and, you know, just started meeting all the kids, you know, from that church. And, um, yeah, my parents slowly got into this church, and it was not an instantaneously like, oh, wow, cult, you yeah. know, it was a slow, 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 gradual you know, gradual and... thing. It's not, it doesn't come right away, you mm-hmm. know, it's uh, usually a cult is like what happens with people is they're going through a hard time in their life and they're searching for something. And I know my parents' marriage was a little bit at a hard time and, you know, didn't know if they would actually make it and, you know, 
they joined this church and, you know, they were on fire for God. And, you know, my mom saw like my dad changing and like being a husband and like, you know, and so my mom was like, Hey, I want to have more kids. Mm -hmm. Like, cause it was so hard after she had the first two, they were young, didn't have a lot of money. They were both working and they were like, man, this is hard, you know? Yeah. And then my mom was like, yeah, I want to have more kids. So they actually decided, okay, let's do this. Let's have more kids. And I was excited about it because I wanted to have little brothers and sisters. Yeah. Um, so, so how old were you when you guys started going, did you say? I was probably 10 or 11. Okay, 10 uh-huh. or 11. I was 10 and or so 11. And so then how old were you when they started having more kids? It was right away. Oh, like right away. Within, okay. Yeah, I think I was like 11, maybe 11 or 12 okay. when my mom had uh, the you know first one of the second wave. Mm, okay. Um, yeah. They had five together. Five yeah. more together. Five more. Uh-huh. Five more together. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. So I. it's funny because I just recorded the day before yesterday with a girl who was... Um, got involved in a religious it was I don't know how similar it is we'll find out yeah but it is it's very slow and insidious it's very gradual you almost don't know until it's too late or don't know mm-hmm. until you're looking back at it mm-hmm. so looking back at it now what were some of those signs part like from what like looking back like uh, what the control yeah. of the pastor okay. he had so much control and even though in this church we learned we learned the bible um, there was a way he was very smart. He was very educated. He actually had a lawyer degree, a doctor degree. So he was a very educated man, and he knew how to manipulate and control and use the scriptures to to kind of like, you know, use his own way to interpret them. Mm. Um, so that was a huge thing. And like I said, it didn't happen overnight. Um, but you know, I we were all homeschooled like together in the church first I was just going to a private school Christian school and then my parents pulled me out and I was excited I was going to be with my friends doing homeschool and it just kind of slowly 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 um turned more and more control I mean I lived in fear every day of my life really yeah like fear that I was going to get spanked beaten by the pastor for doing the littlest things wrong um and he even told me at one point he said when I I think I was like 15 like 16 he's like one day you'll thank me because I'm running this like a military and you know you'll thank me one day for how you know we're we're raising the youth in this church you're gonna you know be successful you're gonna be doing things well I mean he also put me on a diet from the young age saying I was overweight and looking back I was like looking at pictures I'm like I wasn't even overweight so that's another thing that was like really there were a lot of little facets of this church but he controlled the money he he told people what they couldn't could and couldn't buy like my parents Mm -hmm. they wanted to purchase a new car you know he would say nope and told them what to buy and it was just crazy told them how much they need to give um it was just total control but it like i said it wasn't it wasn't a overnight thing it was just little 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 and everybody just was kind of brainwashed thinking okay this is like how a christian how a believer is supposed to live you know Mm. and a lot of end times discussion Mm. a lot of end times like you know storing food um, like kind of governing through fear. Yeah. Or like, yes, it was fear. fear. It mm-hmm. was fear. And everybody was narking on each other. Um, a lot of people lived on the same street. Yeah. Um, I grew up with several church members on the street and it was like, 
if you, you know, you did any little thing and, you know, they would go to the pastor and tell him what they thought was wrong. And then it would turn into this huge, big deal. You know, we were brought in front of the church. Some, at one time I was in our Bible study, I was um, like beaten with a wooden or a, a PVC pipe on my hand in front of all my friends because I didn't say hi to my friend's mom. So we were all like little robots. We were so scared. We were like, hello, 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 oh you know? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so. I did not realize that and there let was me tell you, involved. I'm a rule follower. I'm the oldest. Yeah. And so like being a rule follower, I didn't get in trouble that much. Mm-hmm. So I don't have as much trauma as others who kind of, you know, they push the buttons. Like yeah. um, like my brother, he got, he got it more than he got you know, whipped more than I did. And so there's a lot of trauma there with people who were in that church. And that's, that's insane. I I, I had no idea it was, there was, that there was any abuse involved. It sounds like psychological and physical. Yes. And God Mm -hmm. only knows what else. Um, Okay. Um, I know. No, I'm like, okay, where do we go from here? I know. Um, I think they turned, I think the AC turned off too. I'm like, (laughs) get that thing back on. All right. Um, we may have to hit pause in a second. Okay. So, um, how long were you there? Um, so I, I think we were in the, I was in the church from about 11 years old and, uh, 16 and a half. No, I, I think I was in there for like eight years of my life. Okay. Um, so right Maybe it was 10, and then we left when I was, like, 17. So but your, like, entire teenage My whole years? teenage years were in that church. Did you go to high school? I went, no. I, I did graduate, actually, because when we were getting out of the church. Finally, my final straw, um, my dad did try to leave a couple times. Mm-hmm. And because of, like... You know, my mom, she was like, no, if we leave, we're not doing the right thing, you know. And there there was just different times, you know. It wasn't just my mom. It was, you know, they got somehow brainwashed to come back, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. and thinking like if they, you know, broke this covenant with the church, this, this membership, you know, they were going to hell. Mm-hmm. And so they would stick through it. But it wasn't until like um, I remember my brother had left. He started going to a public school. And then not later, not much longer, um, my aunt invited me um, to her youth group and at a different church. And I was like, I went to the youth group, even though I was still in the church. And I was like, wow, this is what it's supposed to be like. You're not supposed to feel scared or, you know, it's free. And, you know, you get the positive things from the word of God and you worship, you hang out with friends, you know, it's not, you're not scared. No, you should feel uplifted. Yeah. And so I kind of saw that and I was like, wow, I'm not, I'm not in a place that I like. And, and so I actually told my parents, I said, I want to leave. So you left before them. Yes. I said, I don't want to go to this school anymore. I I don't, I don't want to be in there, this Bible study and um yeah i just stuck up for myself and doing that i it was around march or april of a school year and i was doing homeschool with other people but we would show up every day to school it wasn't like once in a while mm-hmm. it was every day you go to the school but it was still a homeschool i had like eight kids in my yeah. in my class and i remember um after letting the pastor know, and then they they thought I was re- being rebellious, and they shunned me. They said, "Fine, your friends are will not be allowed to talk to you anymore, and you need to do all the chores afterwards, um, after the school day." And so I did it. I did it for three months, knowing 
I was knowing that I was going to be leaving soon. You know, I'm just finishing out the school year, and then I and then I was going to have my senior year, or maybe take an early GED test mm-hmm. and go to college, mm-hmm. and that just got me through. Plus, I was at that time going to the youth group that I loved, yeah. so I was meeting new friends. I was like really learning the word, you know, for what it is and what it's supposed to be. And I was happy inside, even though my friends were not speaking to me and I was shunned. But yeah. I'm telling you, it was like the hardest time, but it was the best time. The like, next question about this would be, um, when you were, for these three months, you'd, you'd go to school, you'd come home. Did your parents ask you about how it was? Did they ask you about how the youth group was? Did they show interest? Were they moved by the fact that you were having a good experience? Um, I, I, I remember my parents at first, they were like... Um, very disappointed in me for the choice to leave but slowly slowly they were you know seeing a little change and actually they had nothing bad to say they were like let me letting me take the car to go Mm -hmm. to the youth group even you know they were actually I think happy I think it was because they were close to to leaving oh because everything fell apart within three months of that no kidding oh yeah the whole church oh yeah I mean there it's so complicated to talk about but I mean I remember in my senior year because that's I was starting gonna start my senior year of high school uh the summer before because the church had fallen apart they actually hired um psychologists psychiatrists who are cult specialists that deprogram oh geez yeah that will help deprogram you oh, oh, okay. from coming oh, yeah, out yeah, 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 of a it, cult yeah, yeah. and okay. so I remember my parents it was like for a couple weekends before okay. I started my senior yeah. year all the people from the church that left when it disbarred there were a couple people that stayed loyal to him that you know stuck with him but a lot the mass majority left they would go to these counseling sessions mm-hmm. all day on the weekends to deprogram yes yes and actually that person um is was a psychologist that did work for Westmont College down in Santa Barbara and Mm -hmm. you know once people came out of this church they were looking for kind of help yeah you know because there was so much pain so much scars a lot I mean there was actually one of the moms that I grew up with she was my mom's like one of her really good friends she wrote a book oh did she yeah she did write a book but she didn't put people's names in it she used different names but um it was really interesting to read um, i yeah because i imagine your whole identity is wrapped up in this one thing and when that one thing disappears or crumbles who are you like if your whole identity is wrapped up in this thing it's almost like being a part of a very controlling marriage and your marriage falls apart it's like you're kind of left to figure out how to operate no one's here to tell me what to do how to think what to wear, yeah. how to dress you know all all of the things that's what it kind of reminds me of um wow okay so so everybody ended up getting out um, yeah i mean i will say you know um a lot of people left the faith after after this yeah. happened and maybe it didn't happen right away but i've stayed in contact through facebook and with some of the people and it just breaks my heart because i you know there's so much anger at god you mm-hmm. know and for me because i started going right to another church like even before yeah. i left yeah. and seeing like this is not that was not the way it was supposed to be and we're not supposed to be angry at God. It, that's man. That's man. That's man. Yeah. You know, and yeah. God. That's not what He intends. You know, he, they. That person took the scriptures and warped it and changed it for His own. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Whatever yeah. glory. Yeah. You know, well, and His control. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so. Um, 
I remember the summer after, like this, that summer, that same summer that people were getting counseling, I went to a church camp with the youth group I was going. And I remember just like, it was like an altar call. And I remember going up and just like bursting out in tears and just like forgiving the person, forgiving that pastor. Because all it does, you know, I was like, you know what, it's just going to put me in an angry place yeah. for the rest of my life. And I'm going to forgive him because that's what Jesus did for me. 100%. You know, he went yeah. on that cross. Yeah. And so that, you know, it let, yeah. it, it let, it let me, I was able to move on and right. be happy. And the weight was gone. And the weight was gone, you know, and I don't look back on that experience to tell you the truth. I know God lines up everything because I look back on that. And if I had not gone through that, I might not have made it in my marriage. No kidding. Yes. And so I know that God has his ways and like he, um, he knows our story and yeah. he knows how it's going to come. And like, I'm telling you, I know he, I've been bl- like been so blessed because I just continued to like, you know, believe and not stray away from my faith. And like, he's always been there through all the thick and thin. Yeah. And we're, we're going to get, we're going to talk about your marriage. Um, cause I do think it's extraordinary. We're going to talk about that here just in a second, actually, actually, we're gonna talk about it right now. Sorry. Looking down at my notes. Um, all right. Switching gears a bit. Um, when you met Leo, cause you guys have been married for almost 26 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I know how you met, but tell the listeners how you met and how that relationship began. So we met the first, I'll tell you the first time we met um, back in the day in the 90s, uh, sunrise in our area, Mm -hmm. there was a street that was a cruising street Mm -hmm. in the summer, everybody would roll their windows down, or they'd have their top off, whatever, and you just blast your music and you cruise, you meet people on the street. It Mm -hmm. was just the weirdest thing, but it was, hey, before all the technology, you know? And um, so he was, uh, it was like a Friday or Saturday night, probably a Friday night, and he, we were at a stop sign, and my friend, we had our windows down, and Leo, he yelled over to me, hey, girls, pull over, and I was like, huh, they're kind of cute. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, let's pull over. And so we pulled over in a World Market Cost Plus parking mm-hmm. lot. I know where it's at. Yeah, yep. yeah. And he, he, they got out of the car. I just stayed in the car at that when, in, like, I was super shy. And my friend, Kelly, who was with me, um, she had a boyfriend. So she was just, like, kind of talking to them, you know, just kind of making light. And they asked for our phone number and she was doing all the talking. I was kind of more quiet. And so I wrote a, or she wrote out the phone number. I don't know what she wrote. And mm-hmm. so she gave him a phone number. They went home. We said goodbye. <clears throat> and then nothing came of it. Mm-hmm. And then a year later, I was with a different friend and we were out at a lounge kind of place. And, uh, I looked over at Leo and I was like, oh my goodness, that is Leo. She's <gasps> like, my friend, she's like, who's Leo? I'm like, I met him on the side of the road a year ago. And she's like, go say hi. And I'm like, heck no, he's not going to remember my name. And so I just got the guts and I was like, you know, is your name Leo? And he said, yeah, your name's Heather. And I was so shocked. No. He remembered my name, you know, what? I'm like, whoa. And he was with a group of guys and a big, big group of friends. And actually that night, he kind of said hi. He was like, you know, smiling. And then he left. He wanted nothing to do with me. But Mm -hmm. my friend actually started dating his friend right away. We went to Denny's afterwards. 
And then a couple days later, my friend calls and she said, hey, so I went to the movies, you know, with Slava. And she's like, you should come hang out with us. Maybe Leo will be there. And I'm like, uh, I don't think he's in, you know, mm. into me. And so anyway, like long story short, like we all started hanging out at a coffee shop. He still kind of played hard to get. I was just kind of showing up. And it wasn't until um, we went to San Francisco one night and going to the beach on a Saturday night with a group of friends. And on our way home to Sacramento, we got hit by a drunk driver. And that kind of whole experience like brought us a little closer. And he kind of started to see, okay, she's not a liar. Because he thought I was a liar um, because my friend gave the wrong phone number. Oh. Yeah. So the first time we met, um, she gave a wrong phone number because mm-hmm. she had a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. She didn't care, you know. Mm-hmm. And and so he that's kind of why he played hard to get because I it was the wrong phone number. And yeah. then when we ended up started dating, he told me, he said, the first time I met you, he's like, I went home to my sisters and I told them I'm, I met the woman I'm going to marry. No yeah, way. he oh did. And, and he was so upset. He was like, I got on the phone the next day. And, you know, he didn't speak a lot of English at that time. He had just immigrated um, from, from Ukraine. Yeah. Maybe he had been in America for like two or three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, probably four, four years. Mm-hmm. Still learning English. And so... Um, yeah, he told me that. And I was like, no way. I said, are you serious? And even his sisters were like, yeah, he, he told us that that night. That's why he was kind of a little, you know. Oh, that makes so much yeah. sense. I didn't know Yeah, about he's that like, part. this girl's a liar. I don't want anything to do with her, you know. So what happened when, in, with the accident? Um, the accident was like drunk drivers. They took off. They hit us. And then afterwards, you know, two of the guys ended up in the hospital. Leo was in the hospital mm-hmm. and his friend. I was fine, um, but it was a hit that, you know, we were spinning okay. around. It was, yeah. it was a, I think because I was in the back of the car, mm-hmm. I was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that, we just started, like, going to the doctor, all four of us together. Like, my friend was dating his friend, mm-hmm. and they're actually still together, too. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's crazy. So crazy. American married to Ukrainian. Yeah. Which is very, was very unusual. Was back. it unusual back oh, then? Oh, yeah. Like, when yeah. we got married, it was, it was... Not usual, and the Slavic girls were not happy. I'm sure not. <laughs> I took one of their men, you know? One of their cute men, yeah. Yeah, I'm but sure now they're, not. I mean, it's just that was the, you know, first people who came over from Ukraine in the 90s, you know? Okay, they were, yeah. like, really sticking to their culture. It's, I'm saying, like, 25 years, it's gotten a little bit, Yeah. Um. you know, marrying Americans or interracially, yeah. you know, but like back then it was like, you did not see that. It's still pretty. Yeah. It's you pretty know? rare when I think about who I know. They, yeah. yeah. Usually they stay in the yeah. Slavic community, but. Yeah. Okay. So we all know, obviously a marriage that lasts 26 years, especially when married so young. Cause how old were you when you got married? I was 21. It just 21. turned 21. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. young. Um, it is nearly unheard of these days. Most people I know who are married before 25 are now divorced, including myself. In my first marriage, I got married when I was 20 to my son's dad. Um, how big of a role did your Christian faith or has your Christian faith played in your marriage over the years? Yeah, I would say it has. Um, I mean, when Leo and I were um, dating, 
we really, I really loved like finding out, like you know, that he's Christian and oh, so he was. Yes, okay. like he grew up Christian, and you know, we had all these very deep talks, and I was like, wow, and you know, some of his morals were like on the same board as mine, and I was like, wow, I really, I'm really happy. You know, mm-hmm. it made me so much happier to meet someone of faith too. Mm-hmm. And just knowing that they're, like, um, really close-knit with their families, um, I think, I don't know if we would have, like, lasted dating, you know? I just, I think that's what brought us closer was our faith and our goals and, like, that we wanted to, like, we would go to church together, you know? We had, you know, we did grow up a lot differently, Mm -hmm. I will say, Mm -hmm. which, you know, led to things down in our marriage. but I know it's because, like, you know, when you put God in the center of your marriage, and that was, like, the best advice some, um, a, mm-hmm. this couple gave us on our wedding night. They put it in our wedding video that when you put God in the center, you know, and it, it takes two people, you yeah. know, because yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, it's not, it's only by God's grace that we're together, you know. It's like, it takes two, you know. Yeah. Do you, I, I'm going to give you the chance to expand on that if you want to, um, but I'll, you don't have to about yeah. your about your marriage. I know you said that oh, if yeah. you had not been in that circumstance on your in your teenage mm-hmm. years in the cult, you may have not lasted. Mm-hmm. Did, what did you mean by that? So, um, my husband grew up um, like very, very. Uh, um, I'll say like traditional traditional okay yeah like traditional yeah. you know traditional very conservative got, got very it, extremely conservative mm-hmm. you know and like you know like he said like women don't wear pants you know it was all like kind of outer oh, things okay. and so when we were dating you know I was like oh that's you know that's not a big deal to me you know I'm like I remember he told me one time he's like when we get married you're not gonna wear pants and I was like well <laughs> I will be respectful and yeah. I will wear like a dress or a skirt mm-hmm. in front of, w- when we gather with yeah. your family to make them not feel uncomfortable. Yeah. I said, I'm going to wear pants because mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, I just don't believe that that's mm-hmm. wrong, you know? And, and so, you know, there were th- little things that came up like that. Um, but it was, you know, I think they really wanted Leo to be in their church and, you know, like a lot of the Slavics moved over here and they thought American churches were like too loose. And mm-hmm. and so it was like really hard to try to find a balance in our marriage. Mm-hmm. Like we were church hoppers, you know, okay. we were hopping yeah. from church to church, not like every weekend, but yeah. like it was really hard to find something that like he loved and something that I loved. You know, I came from non-denominational, you know, and like I love worship and, you know, band and music, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, women wear pants in church, (laughs) you know. And so it was like little things he would find and, you know, we would start being, start going to a church and then he'd be like, it was always looking on the outside of, of things. And, you know, for me, it's like I I understand those are cultural things, yeah. you know, yeah. and um, that that's just how they are. And, yeah. like, so you can't change it, but, like, I don't want to change who I think, yeah. you know. And so – and I didn't want to raise my kids um, thinking those were the pa- the parts that make you a believer. Yeah, I mean, you you're know? going by how you feel when you're in a church, you know, what – what do you experience on the inside? And, and he's was raised to look at things as an, as what, what does the image say? Yeah. So it's almost like, you know, you're, you speak two different languages and you have yeah. to, to speak the same language. I, yes. I totally get what you mean by that. I know yeah. you're, you guys have been at city Bible for 
for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Over, uh, over seven years. So you did finally agree on one. Finally found. <laughs> I mean, the one before we were going to, too, for a little while, I will say, let me tell you this, is we were, so at one point, I will say the the hard time in our marriage was, uh, it was when I had all three kids. It was about, we were seven or eight years in, and he started going to his parents' church. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not going there. Like, I don't speak that language. And I said, I don't. It's not where I will grow mm-hmm. or my kids will grow. Mm-hmm. And so we were going to two separate churches on Sundays, mm-hmm. and it, it killed me inside. You mm-hmm. know, I was, like, taking the kids with me by myself, three little kids. I remember breaking down, crying, like, dropping Sophia off in, in nursery, and she was screaming. And I was like, I can't do this. Like, I need, a, I need like, a husband who's going to lead us spiritually mm-hmm. and not just lead me to, like— you know, and I remember like going into my dad's office one day is after Easter. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I know to some people they think, oh, it's not that big of a deal, you know, but to me, it was a big deal. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, I feel so disconnected and he's going there and I'm going here. And how is this going to end up for our kids? And my dad was like, Heather, you just need to like do spiritually what you need go where you need to grow for your kids Mm -hmm. and pray Mm -hmm. and that was like you know when people tell you pray you know you're like okay and you're praying and praying and I'm telling you months would go by and I'm like okay I've been Mm -hmm. praying the same prayer you know and probably like a year went by if a little less and um one of his old friends um from when they first came from Ukraine um he ran into him and he was said hey uh, my friend invited me to go to their church and I asked him if it was weird and he said no and I and at that point I was like I'll go anywhere with you you know I was like I'll go anywhere with you as long as we can have our kids you know and so we ended up going to that church um for a couple years yeah. and I felt there were some things that yeah. did not sit right with me some yeah. cult-like things and it actually ended up just like Wow. Two years ago. Wow. Like it, it ended up like because Coming same apart. kind of vibes yeah. from the pastor. Maybe not exactly the same kind of experience yeah. as mine, but same kind of thing. Total control, um, you know, fear of man, all the rules, all these things. And wow. it's just there's so many of them you don't know about. And yeah. so I told Leo, and it's crazy because um, even when we started going to our church, um, and we went to a couple meetings hearing like what they believe and, you know, we wanted to like maybe seek out membership after this was after a couple years in, I didn't do it right away. And I, I was telling the pastor, I'm like, Hey, I'm just making sure this isn't a cult, you know, because yeah. for me, I yeah. grew up like that and yeah. I'm very sensitive, yeah. you know? And I mean, obviously there's no perfect church. No, we're all bu- a bunch of broken people. We're all mm-hmm. sinners. We all make mistakes. But you hopefully know? we all have the same goal. That's exactly. what you can hope for. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So, yes, thank, like I said, God, like, you know, he doesn't always answer your prayer right away. But, like, that whole path of him running into the friend and that I know that was God, you mm-hmm. know, because from that point on, we are going to church together as a family. Yeah, because sometimes, I mean— we get hung up on timing, right? We get hung mm-hmm. up on like we want it. We want it here. We want it now. We want it our way. Yeah. And and in from my experience, I always feel like God. You know, give it to God. Walk away. That's mm-hmm. it. You know, mm-hmm. say your prayers. And when that time comes, it's going to be better than anything you would have planned for yourself, exactly. anyways. Yep. So, yep. You know, I have a million yep. stories. That His go ways along with that. are not our ways. Yeah. So we get hung up on timing, and that's just. Um, 
Yeah, it's probably it's it's a big flaw in the human system mm-hmm. well, <laughs> with yeah. our faith. Yep, I think yep. um, part of your faith has included your commitment. I know to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, tell us first um, about what that means to you. Um, to me, you know, I just you know, I try to, I want to live my life, you know, and am I perfect? No, you know, I want to help others. I want to, you know, Jesus came as the King, but he came to serve Mm -hmm. and, you know, being a service and like treating others. Like Jesus didn't hang out with like all the rich high people. Mm -hmm. He hung out with the broken, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the poor, the people in need and, uh, show them love, mm-hmm. you know? And to me, that's like the biggest way you can show your testimony yeah. is loving on people. I agree. Having no expectations, but just helping, loving, um, just serving, not acting like you're better than, you know, and just coming like humble, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. that's what Christ was. He was humble. Yeah. And it's like being a, I feel like the biggest way you can share your faith is by being an example mm-hmm. of what your faith is. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, going back to what you were saying with the cult, I feel like that's where Christianity in recent years, I feel like has gotten this bad name. I'm I'm hearing, you know, mm-hmm. it's like we're getting lumped into this stereotype, which is derived from you know, how man is running these dysfunctional churches that Mm -hmm. are eventually getting dismantled. So Mm -hmm. we know that way doesn't work. Uh Um, And really what Christianity is about is being the hands and feet of of Jesus and Mm -hmm. doing what you do, which is what I'm going to go on to next. You obviously done more of your fair share of volunteer and nonprofit work that from the get go when I met you, that was the first thing I was impressed about. I was like, dang, this girl, like, what an example. <laughs> no, I a lot mean, of us talk about it, but very few do it. Um, I'm just going to list everything from being on the ground, handing out food and supplies in marginalized communities, uh, to being an unofficial or official uh, spokesperson for programs like Rayleigh's Food for Families, to hosting events for local charities. Um, you have one of the biggest hearts of anybody I know. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience with doing this work? I know it's extensive. Um, or was there a story or two that you can uh, share when you saw God's love at work and thought to yourself, this is why I do this? Well, first of all, that's very humbling to to hear you say those kind words. But, you know, like, I don't think of that, like, as, as, as you know, what I am. Like, I just think... Um, we can all do our, our little part, Mm -hmm. you know? And like I said, you know, we can't just talk about it, but just do it. And I think God gives us all gifts, Mm -hmm. you know? And I, I've went, gone through life, like, what is my gift? You know, yeah, I love fashion. Yeah. You know, I love people, you know, but I think you can always like bring people together and like try to do something fun, do something good. Mm -hmm. And it can be fun too. Which you're great at, you know, and it, and it's like, And it's like, I really do come from a genuine place, you know, and I will say like, I've had the best role models in my life. Like my grandmother, um, she was the most down to earth woman and she helped so many people in her lifetime and she didn't act like she's so much better. And and, um, my mother too, my Mm -hmm. parents, they they taught me to like, it is better to give than receive. Mm -hmm. And you know, the joy that you get from helping people is much better than getting a present or a gift. You know, it's It's, true. It's like, it gives you so much joy to like help and you can do it in a way too that like, 
you know, mm-hmm. is fun, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so, yeah, I just – I know I could be doing more. I always get, you know, like I could be doing more, you know. You do like, more than anybody I know, no, so I, I no, think you're doing fine. I just, fine. you know, like, no, I just – I will say to my husband, he, like, he really encourages me to, like yeah. – he, he just has a heart for people, and I just, like, love his passion for helping others, and I love that we do those kind you of guys things have that together. In common. Yeah. I mean, you guys have that in common. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, so many of us who are believers find our, you know, that our faith does get tested periodically, but ironically, it's in those moments um, or with those experiences that our faith can and will grow the most. It's also in those moments that our faith has the largest impact on those around us. And I'm going to assume that Austin's accident has been to date the biggest test to your faith that you've ever experienced in your lifetime. Would that be fair to say? Yeah. Sorry, I don't want to make you cry. Yeah, no. This is going to be hard, I feel like. No, I I got this. You know, I waited. People asked me, actually, to share the story of Austin kind of like a couple months after, and I wasn't ready yet because I I would break down too much, you know? But I feel like I can t- I can openly okay. talk about it. Well, if yeah. at any point we need to st- we need to stop, we can. Um, I I know a lot of the story. Mm-hmm. I don't know the, the the full full story. Obviously, I think everybody wants to respect your. You know, when you were going through that, that wasn't the time to ask questions. But you know, I've learned a lot since then. It's been almost three years, mm-hmm. I think. Um, you, I believe, and you believe that the level of faith and prayer that was offered up by the thousands, mm-hmm. and I'm not. That I'm not being hyperbolic. It was thousands, mm-hmm. is what saved um, Austin's life. But I, but I want to go back to the day of the accident. Can you tell us what happened that day? That's all for part one of this episode. The story continues in part two and is available now.